0: Well, hello there and welcome to another episode of An Irishman Abroad with me, Jarlith Regan. I hope you enjoy this small extract from one of our classic episodes with Brian O'Driscoll. To hear the full hour-long interview and more, deep dive chats with hundreds of the greatest Irish people ever to have left our shores along with our other series. Go to premium Irishman Abroad over at patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Lads, it'll only take you a minute to sign up and for less than a fiver a month, you'll gain access to everything. And you can walk around with a spring in your step knowing that you helped this series survive and grow through these difficult times. Our chosen charity partner, as always, is Jigsaw.ie. Jigsaw are a youth mental health charity that works to provide young people in Ireland with the mental health skills they will need to survive in life. Now, obviously, since the pandemic, they have seen a 400% jump in demand for their one-on-one and group services. But with their phone line, their webinars, and their new website, Jigsaw.ie are making a massive difference back home across all communities. Why not take a minute to visit their website now and see if maybe they can help you or a young person in your life, or maybe through a donation, you can help them. That's jigsaw.ie, the chosen charity partner of an Irishman abroad. That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now your program, what's the big idea? Well, they have grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works.
1: I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game.
0: I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and learn my
1: living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here.
0: I had an Irish upbringing.
1: 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the
0: presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind. High in the red, white and blue
1: Our family is very Irish You
0: know Now ladies and gentlemen We have a very special announcement To make at this stage Would you welcome please The wonderful Charlie Threego? Brian O'Driscoll Finally at long last On
1: Irishman Abroad Thanks so much for doing it No delighted to be To have been invited to <laughs>
0: Thanks a lot Well look It's the day after Ulster vs. Saracens And Ulster got completely destroyed By Saracens yesterday And, you know, I watched the game and I watched you do your co-commentary on it, your analysis on it. And it seemed to me that from everything I'd read during the week, it seems a million miles from this kid who, by all accounts, was extremely shy. People don't know this, that, like, you were an extremely shy kid and that one of the reasons your parents, I believe, wanted you to go to the school that you did was to try and get you to come out of your shell jeez, top-notch top,
1: top notch, um, research to you or said res- researcher. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it, it's it's very true. Uh, I was very, very shy, just wanted to kind of fit in. Certainly, I don't think introvert is the right phrase, but I just wanted to be one of a number. I didn't want to stand out, you know, make a scene of myself in anything I did. So yeah, I think part of the reason of, of going to BlackRock was... Obviously, bigger numbers in the year, more likelihood of people that, you know, would find friendship and a, and a similarity with. And also, obviously, that you know, my dad, having played rugby for Ireland a couple of times, it felt as though it would be something that I'd enjoy because I was so sports mad. So it's kind of a multitude of different things. And I don't know, maybe as well, they felt, you know, getting out of my comfort zone of traveling on the train to school, you know, going on the other side of the city every day would, would help me kind of come out of my shell a small bit.
0: I mean, it does also tend to turn out these guys who have no confidence issues. I mean, if anyone's come across a lot, and I'm not saying that's the case for every guy who goes there, but a lot of guys come out with, you know, their shoulders pinned back and apologising for nothing. It seems like incredible foresight on the part of your parents to think that if rugby's put in front of him, he may go after it, because you obviously go to Willow Park as the feeder school in, as the way in. And by your own admission in the book, you'd never picked up a ball at that point. I mean, I think a mythology has grown around what you were and how you came to be. But in reality, it was much more like your dad bringing you down to a trial, and you sitting in the car and saying to him, I have no idea the rules of this game. Is that correct?
1: It is, yeah. I blame Russell Carroll Kelly for the mythology (laughs) being developed. Um, And... Yeah, I had no idea. I'd never really watched a rugby game prior to going to school with any knowledge of the rules or what I was meant to do. And so I went in with a complete blank canvas as to instructions that I had to take and direction I was to be given. Played second row in my first ever trial game at, you know, four foot seven. Yeah, it was a real, it was a steep learning curve for me, but I think... You, as the game evolved, I got the ball a couple of times and I ran fast away from the big, you know, large gentlemen that were trying to get me. Yeah. And I suppose I got moved out of the second row from then on and I started making my way into B teams and, and A teams and it and it just evolved from there. So I think it was great foresight from my parents. I think as well what rugby has done and probably in, in later years too, being given responsibility of um in leadership roles, I sometimes look at, at myself, and I don't recognise the person that's there because I think in in another walk of life where I didn't have the career that I've had, I'd be an inc- an incredibly different person than I am. Really? I think it's brought aspects of my personality out that I haven't, that I innately wouldn't be comfortable with. Such as, but yet, just you know, having to you know, the thought of speaking in front of crowds you know would have petrified me years ago as a kid I, again i just wanted to be i would want to be one of the ones listening to people speak mm-hmm. never wanting to be the voice myself and even in my early years in captaincy i was never i was never the world's greatest orator I, I would say even to this point is it my real strength in my leadership role maybe not i think i i get by and i can say relevant things but i've seen and heard other people speak better than I do and I'm, I'm a realist this way but there's many different prongs to the type of leader you can be and I think it's making sure that you're very good at the elements that you know you are comfortable with and then making sure that the other aspects of it are up to a particular standard
0: Well getting to that particular standard is where the mythology grows and if anyone has picked up the test and read the book that you put together it's written like ridiculously humbly there's a humility to it that uh, is kind of, it's confusing because you're going, well, we all thought it was like this. But in reality, you don't, you know, stroll into BlackRock and walk your way onto these teams. If anything, it was there that you learned, I've got to get better in order to have a part in these teams. Sure, there's the there's the try in the Junior Cup. There's these moments, but you're by no means a star in the beginning.
1: No, not at all. I think even if you go back to that try in the Junior Cup, I came off the bench and I ran scared because, again, I was a very small guy and it was more out of fear that I moved as quickly as I did rather than, you know, understanding of the game or confidence in what I was doing.
0: And you got a bollocking for it after.
1: <laughs> I <technically>. did, yeah. <laughs> it was decent to my coach to give out to me <laughs> for giving away one of our top plays, which I incidentally, for the record, Alan McGinty did not call that play, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. I noticed <laughs> that you specifically <laughs> did
0: what you were told.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I, was a, I, I was a sheep, you know. I wasn't a leader back in those days. So I did what I was told. The beauty of being able to, to write a book at the end of your career is that there's, people cast aspersions as to what sort of person you are via interviews or via seeing you in papers or or how you are as a person, and sometimes how they've met you on different Mm. occasions. And what it does give you a chance to do is give a little bit of an insight into how you genuinely have thought over the course of your career some of the vulnerabilities that you've had some of the 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 moments that were private at the time that you needed to keep private but yet it gives more of a a reflection of you as a whole person rather than just the tidbits that people might have seen on a saturday afternoon or seen you know in gossip inches Mm -hmm. or, or whatever so that's part of the reason why i did the book and why i wanted to be honest i think there's always an opportunity in a book for you to be able to give the glossy side of life and how it doesn't always have to be the truth as you've seen it. You can, you are the one that are in control of what the edit is. But I think you know, to be true to yourself and to be true to the people that are, are going to buy your book, you have to give them the real you, the good, bad, and the ugly. And I tried to do that as much as possible. And I said to the ghostwriter Alan English when I was finished, I said, the important thing here is that it needs to sound like my voice. It needs to sound like I'm saying all these mm-hmm. words, even though some words I just didn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> um, but I, I needed to also be comfortable to read this book in 10 years' time and not wince at what I was reading. That was the really important sure. factor, that so this has to be able to stand the test of time.
0: And that does come across. And what, you've, what you say here about the truth behind the thinking is one of the most surprising elements for a lot of people that read it. I mean, one of the things that comes up in the reviews again and again and again is this surprise on people's part that you struggled with your confidence and had dips in form. I mean, again, that's probably the mythology, because as Amy said to you, nobody's career is always up. Mm. But it came as a surprise to people that you had these dips in form. Enda McNulty becomes the man who, would you agree, helps you out of that hole?
1: Yeah, he was a big changing point in a, an important junction in my career in 2008.
0: Do you want to explain to people who don't know who M- Enda McNulty is? Yeah, so in,
1: is? Enda McNulty, I've, I've been involved with lots of sports psychologists over the course of my career. And I was never overly enthralled by, by any of them. They never really said anything that... Uh, resonated with me so I went and because I was I was in a bad dip of form I went through some personal disappointments and you know had had some hard times in 2008 with the death of my friend and you know it was an incident in New York where I got wrongly arrested and all these things started culminating and didn't help my form and so I just needed a a neutral voice to be able to it was almost (laughs) for want of another expression almost an element of counseling Mm -hmm. to try and change my mindset a small bit and get myself thinking in a positive manner about how I could get the best out of myself again. And it was very different with Enda, who is not a sports psychologist, he's kind of a career coach now, and I still use him for trying to organise my life and get the most out of what I'm doing now. He said some very simple things to me about, have I lost all the ability that I had in previous seven or eight years? Is that gone and are all my good years behind me? And I said, no. He said, well, just work on all the things that you can make yourself, give yourself an opportunity to be better again. Your nutrition, your your lifestyle, You know, your hydration the work ethic that you put in every single day, the work you do after training, the small elements of you know the extras that when you know, nobody's watching, all those small things will give you a better opportunity of being better. And as well, you know, one of the other things he said was go back and look on YouTube at some of the clips and remind yourself what you were capable of doing. This
0: is one of the bits that I kind of read and I actually told my wife about. I was like, we assume that these montages that are put together on YouTube that the person in them doesn't get to see them. But he genuinely said, look, you're forgetting these things. Did you sit down and actually watch those montages?
1: Yeah, I I own like about three hundred thousand hits on like a four hundred thousand hit uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, montage video out there. You know, so people think, God, they've seen enough People have seen an awful lot of these. It's actually just me watching them over and over again, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get psyched up. <laughs> but, yeah, I did look back on them and I and just remind yourself of what you're capable of and from a skill set point of view. I always knew that that was there. It's just sometimes a position of putting yourself in there. So I worked really hard on my fitness. I had a word with teammate, Ron O'Gara, and asked him, you know, when maybe I felt the, the captaincy, Irish captaincy was coming into question. And I said, you know, I was. A, I asked him, did he still back me? And did I still have the backing of, you know, of the monster guys? And he said he did, I did. But he told me that I could work on my fitness. So, you know, as when you're bluntly as that, yeah, he did. And we always had that relationship. You know, there was no sugar coating. So I, I've always respected him for it, and I've told him things in the past that he needed to hear as well. And so, you know, I respected that. I, I think one thing that rugby has taught me is that I can take criticism. I can be told what I need to improve on because you get that on. You play on a Saturday, and on a Monday, you get told where you went well and what you need to do better. And so I've never had a problem of someone critiquing what I'm doing. And, I, and that goes for what I do now in my punditry or on radio or mm-hmm. in, in the other work that I'm doing. If I can hone my skill set in that regard, I absolutely take information on board from people that have ex- have experience and are in a position to ha- to hand sure. that over to me. Yeah, yeah, that's a, s- it's a big qualifier because yeah. there's not always people qualified no. to give the criticism. No, there aren't, and so I'll be selective as to as to who those people are. But yes, yeah, so Raj said that to me, and I went away and worked really hard in my fitness. I mean,
0: Ender and Raj mm-hmm. are two people who are peers. I mean, Enda McNulty's, you know, won all Ireland's with Armagh. But he's pointed out to you in this meeting and to read that meeting, it's an incredible moment in the book because like you say, you've been through a lot. There was a lot of stuff and he pointed out to you that none of these things are in isolation and that they're all connected Mm -hmm. and that it's all resulted in you not believing in yourself in the way you should. Mm -hmm. I mean... You've said that any sportsman who lives without doubt
1: is deluded. He's a liar. It's not even necessarily deluded, but I I think he's a liar. Because all sports people, whether some people I would imagine trick themselves into thinking they are more confident than they are. But it's impossible to maintain maybe Lionel Messi's an an exception to the rule.
0: I was going to suggest Conor McGregor.
1: Well... I think it's still early on in Conor McGregor's career. I don't know how long a UFC career will go, but if you go for 10 or 15 years, as the likes of Messi has done or the likes of Raj has done or, you know, I've, I did 15 years, I think over that period of time, it's very, very hard to, to maintain that really high high standard that of, you set of yourself. of lack
0: of self-doubt.
1: Yeah, of, of, of lack of self, self-doubt. I think as well, it's slightly different maybe in the fight game where it has to be all bravado and you have to be all front, no one knows the true inner thoughts of what Conor McGregor is thinking. Only Conor McGregor does. I'd say John Cavanaugh's mm-hmm. coach would say John doesn't even know that. Only Conor McGregor knows that. And fair play to him if he believes everything that he's saying. But I'm sure at times in the quieter moments, everyone has that element of self-doubt as to still whether they're able to do it. And it tends to come in the latter years of your career when the body just starts to ail slightly on you and you're not able to do everything you were able to do in your younger years and that becomes a little bit of a frustration. So that's how you have to modify techniques and get better at certain areas and not cut corners, but be realistic about what workload you can take on board to make sure that your performance is going to be in peak condition at the weekend.
0: Because I guess it's you that knows. They'd like, it's you know, only you. Yeah.
1: It's only you. People can see on. Because I got that, surely you can make it to another World Cup when I retired. Surely you can. And I thought to myself, do you know what? I probably could get there. But I, I'm battling in my head about not being able to do things as quickly. The brain's still operating, but the body won't react to it. And trust me, I'd love to have gotten to that World Cup. I'd love to have... But I knew for that final year when I decided to do one more year, and that's what I said early on in the season, that it'll be one more year. And that was probably an error of judgment because I thought they'd get off my back then. Mm -hmm. And if I just committed to the fact that I'm finishing at the end of the year year, rather than it end up being the world's longest goodbye, I knew that that final year I was far off my best. I still managed three or four pretty good performances that kept... Yeah, proper criticism at bay but i knew that i was nothing on when i was 25 26 27 28 29
0: that must be heartbreaking on
1: some level it's very it's it's very disappointing and frustrating but it's you're i'm a realist too and i and i'm hugely thankful that i had that many years of it not many players are able to do 15 years at an international level so Realistically, I knew I'd have been taking liberties by going, trying to push myself for another year. And I think I would have exposed myself too much and done damage to my reputation if I had kept going. Maybe I could have seen myself through and managed it just enough, but I think that was too much of a risk that I was willing to take.
0: And I guess we've all seen those guys. We've all seen the guys like, and he's gonna try and get to another World Cup and you know he's on the bench. And you're right, it, it impinges upon what our vision or our image is of that reputation and that person if we go right back to say your lack of self-doubt days the days when you said to enda mcnulty your confidence was at about 90 percent. i mean it was the stade de france game the the hat trick the famous hat trick against france and before we get to it it seemed when i when i read it back and it's either the humility or it's the absolute truth that when you were the moment you arrive in UCD for first year, it's not in your head that you are going to be a pro at that moment. You said there's not a part of you that believes you're going to be a pro. Yet two years from that moment, there you are on the shoulders of these greats.
1: Yeah, that's, that's honestly truthful. I don't think I had that belief in myself. I thought I was decent at the level that I was playing at schoolboy. I think I, I thought I could match it with most. I didn't think I was a standout player. In that regard, I thought it was maybe the in the better half of, of the standard of player that were there, but I certainly didn't see myself as a standout player. Likewise, when I ended up playing under 21s a year young, I got Shepard's hook off against Wales with 10 minutes to go for another player that I would have seen myself as being better than. So when those sort of moments happen to you, it's a bit of a reality check as to where you're actually going. And the funny thing is that happened to me and i remember it well in care missed a couple of tackles i got substituted off and that was march and about three or four weeks later i was sitting on the bench for ireland against italy and the six nations so to go from one from that extreme to sitting on the bench for ireland there's no way i could have Felt I'm gonna, abs- I'm killing it here. Mm, you know, yeah. I thought I'm just tipping along, and you know what? Maybe one day, if I'm lucky enough, I'll break into the Ireland setup, and when I mature well enough, I'll give myself an opportunity p- for playing for Ireland. So it all happened so quickly before. Maybe I felt that I had earned it, but that's neither here nor there. You, when, when you're given your opportunity, you just go and take it,
0: and you did take it, and that is what introduced you to the homes and living rooms of all Irish families and it's been well documented I said to you before we sat down we're 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 gonna try and not ask you the stuff that you've been asked but when that happens you must be sick to the teeth of talking about it you've no media training whatsoever but there's a moment that you describe going to a junior cup match and there's a kind of a throng of young fellas following you directly after this has happened and you realize in that moment that Nothing's going to be the same again from this point forward
1: yeah that was a that was a shock. It was like a Wednesday after the French game, and I went to a junior cup game. I was only a couple of years out of school, and I said I'd meet up with a couple of pals that past pupils area across they always were in a in a group across from where all the schoolboys were in one stand, so I walked across the north Terrace, obviously you spotted, and the whole. A good bit of the terrace or that the, the stand started flooding out and came charging over. Thankfully it was pre camera days. So it was just a few autographs and No um, selfies. No selfies. And yeah, it was weird. That was the first reaction that I had that I was blown away by and yeah, I think that probably made me think that things would be a bit different from then on. I was seeing maybe in a slightly different light.
0: And when you say that, I mean you know now what that light was and the responsibility that came with that. You talk about second guessing things and would I be happy to see this tweet in the paper tomorrow and living with that. You're now on the other side of it. You don't speak for anyone but Brian O'Driscoll now. Yeah, it's lovely. That must be a lovely feeling.
1: Yeah, but do you know what, what comes with it is I'm less safe, for sure. I'm, it's just my voice. I've no, I've, I've no one to hide behind. So you're putting yourself out there a little bit more, and can be a little bit more opinionated. I'm sure some people don't love to hear, you know, some of the things I say. There might be an interpretation that I'm biased in some regard towards one person or one team. But you know, I've I played 15 years with Leinster, so of course I'm going to be bloody biased with them, am I? <laughs> um, but I, I think at the same time, I, I try and genuinely read and see what I've watched and what I believe in, and also. What I know, certain coaching, coaches in the Irish ticket know and believe themselves too. So I'm making a pretty cultured opinion in a lot of what I say. A lot of the guys that are currently playing and that I'm commenting on, I've trained with a huge amount of them. People see them on a Saturday afternoon and I know their personalities and what type of people they are. They roll up the sleeves or will they succumb to the pressure? So I know an awful lot more about this crop of players than most people watching at home, so that 's where my opinion is being shaped. I think in five, six, seven years' time i won't have that luxury i 'll literally just be have have to be analytical on mm. what I see likewise to everyone else on a Saturday afternoon, so my opinion will probably shift i'm enjoying having the freedom of my own voice and 'm you know, I enjoy throwing the odd semi grenade out there and seeing what reaction will be like, but the grenades aren't to to spark irritation sure, there they're not a lot of no I'm, a lot of what I'm saying I genuinely believe like Gary Ringrose playing against Wales Ireland could do an awful lot worse yes Ireland could do an awful lot worse I didn't say he has to start but it's funny you know in the last three weeks since you know I threw that one out there there's a lot of people jumping on that bandwagon too like he is in the mix and I can see more than Other guys, because I've been exposed to these players more than people have seen. I saw Gary years ago in Irish setup, and I saw how good he was and how different he was from all his 20s peers. And I thought this guy is going to be the real deal.
0: Because you have a power now. Think about it. If you call a guy out and go, I think that's unacceptable. And equally, he's in trouble. But equally, if you say, this is the guy, you're potentially swaying opinion within the setup. Are you...
1: Are you aware of that? Yeah, I'm okay with that, though. That's, but it's just one opinion. That's what I do now for in my work. I'm I'm a pundit. I'm there to give opinion. I don't have to do that on Twitter, but I want to because I can be safe and go, he's nice one for the future. I think we'll see him in three or four years. Nonsense. I genuinely think some guys are ready. Mm-hmm. And if you think they're ready, even if they're not physically built up, and I get a bit of stick about, do we have to big up these guys before they've had their time to shine? You know, it's foresight. That's what mm-hmm. you're. Om- I'm almost trying to show a little bit, and I'll be wrong sometimes. I'll have foresight with someone that'll potentially bomb, and, and <laughs> we'll never see them <laughs> yeah. again. That's I'm, I'm not going to get a hundred percent hit, but I think what I do see, and I won't say it very often, what I do see in talented young guys, I'm going to say to people, and just to keep an eye, an eye out for, because I do. I'm asked to do a certain amount of interviews, and you're asked these questions of guys to to keep an eye out for so you know sometimes I preempt the interview and just throw it out anyway
0: on the other end of the spectrum away from foresight there's what happens in the moment in the game like yesterday a Saracens player tried to drag a guy over the sideline by his head and there was a question of whether he was trying to gouge his eye and you made the point in that moment that you know when you're trying to pull a guy over the sideline you pull at anything sometimes his head it's reactive
1: you know what yeah you're trying to do a job and it's the closest thing I've, i remember in 2003 world cup i tried to tackle george Smith. He big long dreads i couldn't get a grab hold of him so his dreads were the first thing that i got my hands got hold of and he came down by his dreads i got penalized for it rightly so but i just i couldn't help it sure it's like it's desperation to actually drag someone down and so you grab it the first thing and Unfortunately, sometimes it's around the head. I think the eye stuff was nonsense. There was nothing in that. Mm. Did he get him in a headlock? Was it a penalty? Yeah. End of.
0: But, like, what I'm trying to ask, though, is that, you know, when you pull that guy down by the dreads, there's a commentator in the box who may be going, that is disgusting. (laughs) You know? Um, I get the feeling that in these early days of you doing this, that you're reluctant, because of your closeness to the guys, to call it and go you know what, I think they should throw the book at that guy for that. Would you agree with that?
1: I, I think, well, I've, I've, I've no relation with Chris, Chris Ashton, so I could have done a job on him if I'd wanted to. You know, I've probably been a bit soft in the first year. I was a bit soft. I remember Ashley Johnson took out Dave Kearney off the kickoff in, in the Wasps game last year. And Dave Kearney was injured for five or six weeks afterwards, missed the start of the Six Nations.
0: There it is. That's just the beginning. To hear almost 60 minutes more of this conversation and hundreds more full-length Irishman Abroad episodes and shows, join us on patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad. Help support the creation and continuation of of this series for years to come for less than a or a month you'll gain access to all our episodes shows live events and for a limited time only everyone who signs up in the first two weeks of august will get my brand new stand-up comedy special notions 11 shot by my favorite director mike donnelly in Vicker street in march 2020 that's hundreds of hours of entertainment inspiration and laughter for less than the price of one of your fancy coffees over at patreon.com forward slash abroad. I want to say thanks to my ultrasound producer as always Brian Connolly, to Tina and Mikey for making it all possible and finally to our chosen charity partner Jigsaw. Jigsaw.ie are a youth mental health charity that is changing and saving lives across all communities back in Ireland. Now more than ever they could do with your support. Go to Jigsaw.ie to see their great work, get some help with the young people in your life or maybe through a donation you can help them.